Look, as we saw in Nova Scotia this week, uh, the key to electoral success, at least on paper, is pretty straightforward. Find the issues that resonate with voters, connect with those voters, make sure those voters turn up on Election Day. Sounds easy, right? Obviously easier said than done. And certainly the way in which parties uh, wage campaigns has changed in the era of social media. That a lot of these battlegrounds uh, are to be found on social media. A lot of voters are on Facebook. A lot of voters, uh, younger voters are on TikTok these kinds of uh, services. So it's, it's changed the game a little bit when it comes to political parties and how you connect with voters, how you get your message across to people. Well, someone who has certainly been involved in, in the trenches uh, in these campaigns and played a key role in past conservative campaigns under Stephen Harper is Ken Boston Cole. He's a McConnell professor of practice at Max Bell School of Public Policy at McGill University, research fellow with the C.D. Howe Institute. Had a really interesting piece this week up at The Line, theline.substack.com. On all of this, uh, Ken, great to have you with us here this morning. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Rob. Good morning. So I guess it's been uh, it's been 10 years since you've been uh, in the trenches, as it were, playing a key role in conservative campaigns. How, how different is it now, in, is, at least in your sense, in terms of, you know, 2021 versus 2011? Well, I, I'm starting to call myself an aging hippie. Uh, <laughs> yes. after I'm now watching these things, and I've been involved in a couple of campaigns lately, and I look around the table, and I'm the old guy in the room, and I don't quite know when that happened, but uh, it has. Look, we did a bunch of stuff in 2005-06 that was considered, you know, breaking or leading edge at the time, the, our use of direct mail and the use of, of identifying voters by, by mail and return mail and how we spoke to voters. But in the main, uh, then, the main ways we spoke to voters was either through advertising on television uh, or through the mainstream media, either national media to speak to a national audience or local media to speak to a local audience. And those things aren't the way you speak to voters anymore. Um, you know, those, those were the mediating institutions, to use a technical term, back then. Those were the, the institutions that stood between the political party and the voter. And today, the mediating institutions are more social media than traditional media. And that's caused campaigns to change how they do things. What are you seeing so far? Because, I mean, certainly you see that more traditional approach. I'm seeing a lot of ads on TV and, and, you know, we're hearing a lot of ads on the radio. We see the political leaders at the press conferences, the reporters on the tour bus and on the tour plane. So a lot of those traditional elements are still there. But, but what are you seeing that's, that's different now? triggered it for me was when the Conservatives and the NDP released their platform on the day one or day two of the campaign. And back in my day, we would have we would have not done that because we needed something new to feed to the national media every single day. In 2005, we had an 83-day campaign, and Stephen Harper made 60 individual announcements, and we never would have put the platform out before we made those individual announcements, and the media would have said, you know, that's old news. You already put out your platform. But today, the political parties can go to Facebook and tailor messages to audiences. They need that platform out early in the campaign so that they can get those social media messages out to their potential swing voters. And so, you know, that's just one of many, many examples I could give of how things have changed. In the old days, we released the platform toward the end of the campaign, usually before the debate. And now you do it right at the beginning of the campaign. And, you know, for most people, I, they probably don't even notice that. But for those of us that are in the, uh, in the machine of the campaign, and it's something, something, a fairly big decision we made then is, has been changed for today. 
I do wonder how much of a, a factor, you know, the pandemic is and the, the likelihood that you're going to see a lot more people that in past elections voting in advance or voting via mail. And yeah. so you, you don't really know then in that sense, you know, when's best to release this or this big platform? Yeah. Because what if a whole bunch of people have already voted? Yeah, sir, Rob. That, that shit's been happening for a long time. Parties have spent a lot more time getting out people to advance polls. But now that there's mail-in ballots, you're right, it's moving up even further. And I think I think it was, like so many other things, and frankly, like social media, which we're all fortunately or unfortunately spending more time on during the pandemic than we did before, uh, the pandemic has accelerated a bunch of these trends. And, you know, so I see, I see parties getting their key messages out early in the campaign, where, again, in the old days, we would have, you know, the closing week and the closing arguments were the big thing back when I was deciding on what we were saying on each day of the campaign. And today, I think some of those closing arguments are going to be made uh, earlier and more frequently. And uh, social media, again, like I said earlier, allows you to directly target some of those things to voters and tailor those messages and the policies you're speaking about to voters who care about those, those messages and those policies. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy. But you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great. Filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. You know, there's been a lot of talk in the lead up to the election about the state of the conservative party or even the state of conservatism, a lot of focus on Aaron O'Toole and, you know, whether he's up to the job. You know, ultimately elections matter and this is Aaron O'Toole's moment to shine, right? He gets that, that spotlight every single day out on the campaign trail. And, you know, as I said at the outset, it's really about connecting with voters and finding yeah. those issues they, they care about and explaining it to them in terms that they, they can understand. I mean, we're in early days so far here, Kim, but what's your assessment of the conservative campaign and, and the job the leaders do it look uh it, it, there's an old trite thing to say which is campaigns matter but the reality is sometimes campaigns don't matter and sometimes they do and what i take to be a barometer about whether a campaign potentially is going to matter is the volatility of the polling data going into the campaign and just in the last two weeks we've had a very good polling firm leger another very good polling firm abacus who have released polls were that were outside of the margin of error one poll to the other and some people think oh that's because one pollster is not as good or wrong what i see in that is there's a potential for volatility when we go into an election and all the pollsters have numbers that are very close together and they don't move over time that to me says things are pretty set and the campaign may not matter that much but we're seeing a lot of volatility in the polls and to me that means there's the potential for i'm not saying it's going to happen but there's a potential for some movement so that's you know that's aaron o'toole and jugmeet singh's opportunity the liberals are clearly ahead um but there's an opportunity for to move voters and i think that uh with the right set of messages connecting with the right bunch of voters, as you say, there's the potential for things to move.
Yeah, and it's funny because we don't often pay attention to you know provincial politics out east, but uh, the election in Nova Scotia certainly caught a lot of people's interest this week. And maybe it speaks then, doesn't it, to that, that volatility and, and the risk of making assumptions ahead of time about a particular election outcome. I, I don't know how much that, that necessarily translates into what could happen at the federal level, but I don't know. What, what did you make of that? Yeah, there were some unique circumstances there. It was interesting the Conservatives were campaigning from the left and <laughs> Liberals were campaigning from the right, so it was a bit of a flip-flop uh, for how our sort of national parties run. But uh, but look, I think the, the key is volatility. Like, are voters set? Have voters decided? And I'm not sure that they have. And that's the opening the two other parties uh, besides the Liberals need to figure out, you know, why are people volatile? What are the issues that would move them? And if I had to identify one, I would identify women with children, uh, they, women with children, uh, especially school-aged children and young children, have probably had it. Uh, I shouldn't say the worst, but they've had a rough go this last year, taking care of kids, having kids out of school, having kids in school, balancing work, school, home, kids. Uh, I think it's been rough, and I think the level of anxiety among moms is higher than it's been for a long time. And and if voters can connect with moms, I think there's a potential to move 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 some votes there. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, childcare has obviously been an issue that the Liberals yep. have really tried to, to key in on. And, you know, the Conservatives released their own approach, which is different and unique, not not unlike, I guess, what we saw in 2006. But, you know, that's what I've thought in, in watching this. Not that the Conservatives need to copy what the Liberals are doing, certainly not, but to understand why the Liberals have keyed in on these issues, right? They, you know, the Liberals are about winning elections. So if they have a sense that, you know, people are concerned about, for example, child care, the, you know, the Conservatives would do well to, to pay attention to that, right? Yeah, look, uh, you know, if you've just read Twitter, you'd think the Liberals, if you just read conservative Twitter, you'd think the Liberals are a bunch of idiots, but that's not true. Uh, the worst thing you can do is uh, underestimate your opponents, and I think their child care and their focus on child care has keyed in on this idea that moms are at the edge, you know, are, are close to the edge. The other reality is, is is that moms were the group of people that gave Stephen Harper his majority, the $100 per kid and the sports and arts tax credit. You know, in 2011, the Stephen Harper closed the gender gap, which for conservative is quite remarkable. So those those are the women that the liberals got back in in sorry in 2011. The, the the liberals got those back in 2015, and and again, I think those women with young kids are have voted conservative in the past, and so again, that's I think that's the big opening. Could be. We'll see how it all plays out. Uh, as mentioned, your latest is up at uh, the line, theline.substack.com. Ken, always great chat, and thanks for making some time for us here this morning. You bet, Rob. Take care. Take care. Uh, there you go. That's uh, Ken Boston. Cool. Again, uh, former uh, conservative strategist, played a key role in the uh, 04, 06, and uh, again in 2011 for the conservatives. And um, yeah, he's uh, now on the other side of things as a uh, policy analyst, research fellow of the C.D. Howe Institute, McConnell Professor of Practice at the Max Bell School of Public Policy at McGill University.